Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you are unable to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care and God bless. Good to be with you this morning, all of you here in the room and all of you who are joining us online as we continue our sermon series under construction. I was noticing with Pastor Gail that I'm a little bit more under construction this morning than I maybe intended to be. We were priming our bathroom, getting ready to paint today, and I, I missed some spots. So you'll notice that uh, I'm still a little covered in paint from yesterday. Actually, there were two home improvement projects yesterday. And a word of warning, if I'm the handy helper in the family, we're, we're really shallow on that pool, I must confess, but helped uh, my brother-in-law install some lighting in their house yesterday, some nice and easy projects, no electrocution happened at all. But as Pastor Gail and I were commenting on the way up here, I think there's no other better week to talk about feeding our souls than this one. In a week where the news cycle seems to be spinning and spinning and spinning, Let's open our time together with a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, you are here in our midst. You are here in our breathing. You are here in our sighing. You are here in our uncertainty, in our fears, in our longings. You are near. So breathe into us your life. Breathe into us your hope. We, we offer all of our prayers today for the people nearly a world away. We offer all of our longings, all of our hopes that you will bring a way of peace. All of this we ask in the name of Jesus, who can do all these things. Amen. So we finish out our sermon series under construction, noticing that we are all beings who are constantly under construction. We all have work that is being done by the Spirit on us. We all have work that we need to do in our relationships, on ourselves, for God's work in the world to happen. So as I was reflecting on this theme, feeding our souls, I couldn't help but notice that word feeding. Now, I have no problem talking about food, so get ready. We're just going to have a great old time this morning. But I recall, as many of the times that I've tried to temper my abundant appetite for good food, I was taught at one point that we should treat food like a stoplight, right? There are some foods that are red foods that are really sometimes foods. There are some foods that are yellow foods that, you know, are, are, are okay. Although, you know, the police officer in the room might say, yeah, the yellow really means stop too. So, uh, you know, we'll see about that. And then green foods that we can just abundantly eat as much as we want. Now, this metaphor has never been particularly helpful for me, as you can all tell, right? But I think I've found a better metaphor for us as we think about feeding our souls this week. It comes from Wordle. Are there any fans in the room? 
If you don't know what Wordle is, this has been something that has been feeding my soul just about every morning. I wake up in the morning, I take a moment or two or three or 10 or 20, depending on how hard it is, and I turn on this Wordle. It's a website that some man made a number of weeks ago, and it's just a simple word game. You enter in a guess, and it will tell you if you got any guesses right. And then slowly but surely, you work your way into the answer. So I thought I would do a Wordle based on feeding my soul this week, the things that I thought that I needed. My first guess, I mean, a steaming hot pile of french fries sounds about right, right? Just lots of salt, delicious, right out of the fryer, oof, tasty. But you'll notice no green, no, no yellow if you're a Wordle player. That means that I got no letters right, not a single letter in my guess. Well, my next guess was pizza. Fair enough. Yellow, I mean, a, a, a good, big, hot pizza with a group of friends. That sounds like something that could definitely feed my soul. But as long as I don't eat it every single day of the week, right? And then I got a little bit more curious. Shows, television shows. Anybody have that kind of favorite television show that after a long day, you just flip on a favorite episode and you feel like you can just sigh. Okay, I got a green letter. All right, maybe I'm getting close. Then I took one more guess. Chair. Now, this chair is a very specific chair that I think I needed this week. We got a little snow this week on Monday and Tuesday, and then just a sprinkle more. So I was really hoping that a chairlift would feed my soul on my day off. A nice chairlift down in Welch Village sounded about right. Three out of five, that was enough, I, that, was enough that I needed to just go and take a couple hours on the slopes and enjoy being outdoors. It's a way to think about our lives, all of the moments in our lives as ways that we are feeding our souls. There are certain things in our world that if we do too often, they seem to start to eat away at our sense of being grounded in the world. They seem to raise our anxieties or amp up our fears more than they allow us to connect with the people around us. So how might we together be feeding our souls? Hmm? How might we be eating a diet of things in our lives that might help us to live well with the people that we love the most? How might we be doing actions in our day-to-day -day existence that might help us connect with God, that might help us breathe deep the spirit that creates all that exists, that helps us live well with one another and with the world. There's a story in the Old Testament that's about the Hebrew people looking to be fed. It's a story where uh, you, you probably know the beginnings of this story, right? Where Moses was this tiny little baby born in the beginning of the book of Exodus, born a slave. 
in the midst of a regime known as Pharaoh's house that owned all of the Hebrew people and made them build these monuments to Pharaoh. This despot, this ruler left unnamed, forgotten by history. May they remain that way. And yet Moses calls the people of Israel, calls them to to leave Pharaoh into a land that they can call their own. And after chapter and chapter of plagues and miracles, Moses leads the people out of their slavery, out of their oppression, into a land that they can call their own, into an experience of freedom. But on the way to this land that they can call their own, they find themselves in the wilderness, in a place where they aren't sure where they're going, where they can only trust that God is leading them. And in a moment of doubt, in a moment where they fear that they've left what they knew for some place that is going to leave them forsaken, the people start to grumble and groan. They say, God, why did you bring us out here? In Egypt, I miss the food. It's actually what it says in the, book, in the book of Exodus. They said in Egypt, we would gather around these flesh pots, these places where spices would be smelling, where we could eat and talk around the campfire. And here we don't even have a square meal to eat out in the wilderness. God, why have you brought us out here? And as you can imagine, God, who's worked all this time to give these people freedom, just turns around and smites them, right? Lightning bolts, thunder. No, you know better. What does God provide these grumbling people? Food, water. And in a miracle of God's provision, the people wake up one morning and they see frost covering the fields around them. Frost, that's something that we know a little bit about. They see these light flakes of something that are scattered all over the fields, little crystals formed around each and every blade of grass. And as they get a little bit closer to this stuff, they start to pick it up, and it's bread to eat. In fact, the people in the book of Exodus say to Moses and Aaron, they say, what is it? And in Hebrew, that word is manna. What is it? So Moses says, well, it's manna, bread from heaven. But there's a strange thing about this manna, this bread that has fallen from heaven, that is something that the people can eat and find nourishment from. You see, the people, they want to keep some of it. They want to save some of it for tomorrow. They've had a week or two without something good to eat, so they want to keep it for themselves. They want to tuck it away in their purses and hold on tight in case tomorrow there isn't enough to go around. So a few people keep some, tuck it in a jar, tuck it behind their beds. And the next morning, what happens? It's rotten. The worms have already started to eat this manna that had fallen from heaven. And God says, only 
take what you need today. Because just an hour later, frost falls from the heaven just as much as the day before, enough to feed every hungry belly that day. You see, I think feeding our souls is a little bit like manna from heaven. Sometimes we are in a moment of absolute despair. And yet what from heaven comes but surprising grace, surprising moments of delight. We can count on them. We can rely upon them. If you're anything like me, sometimes we even think that we can make it through a really difficult season by looking forward to six weeks down the road when we might be able to really delight and do it well, right? A vacation or a trip or something to really look forward to, a celebration with family, all of these really good things. But sometimes if we have our eyes so laser focused on that eight weeks away, we might miss the manna right in front of us that morning. We might miss the delight that God has in store for us that day or that moment. Our reading for this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. We need rest to feed our souls, my friends. We need to let the weariness of the day or the moment or the week, let it go for a moment. It doesn't mean we're ignoring it. It doesn't mean that we're locking ourselves up in some cloister to, to keep the world away. No, it means we're setting the load down for a moment to stretch our backs, to lay low, to breathe deep. Now, if I know a little something about food, I also know a little something about rest. My wife Hannah and I have a little disagreement on occasion. She believes that it is never socially appropriate to nap in public. What are airplanes for then? There is this, this magical thing that happens upon me that every time that whoosh of the airplane goes, my eyelids droop and my head. And it just so happens that there are four of us in our family. So whenever we travel, it's usually not my wife, Hannah, that I'm upon, but some poor bystander, right? There aren't four seats in the row, but only three. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. But I have an ally in our household, and it's my youngest. She is certain that it is okay to fall asleep just about anywhere. You'll see in this picture, this is just on our living room floor, about Dorothy's favorite place to fall fast asleep. She has a way of finding rest when she needs it. 
of letting her eyes close. Now, she might fight it on occasion if you've ever been a friend to a toddler. But she will let her whole being fall into rest. And pretty soon she'll be up and rearing and ready to go again to take on the world. And don't get in her way, I tell you. We've had this tradition in our house of singing songs to our kids before bed. My eldest, I had just uh, started finishing, I was just finishing my internship, right about to start my wonderful work with you when Alma was a baby. And so I was getting used to this ELW, our hymnal, and I didn't know every single song. So when Alma was up in the middle of the night, I'd open the hymnal, and I'd have her on one arm and the hymnal on my lap, and I would just sight read through every single hymn in the hymnal. Some of them are much harder than others, I will tell you. And it was really great to immerse myself in this songbook and also sing to my daughter. But when Dorothy came along, we kind of settled into some of our favorites. Singing to Dorothy as she falls asleep on the few occasions that she's not asleep on our rug in the living room and I scoop her up and carry her into bed. I get to sing her some songs. And this is one of our favorites. It's become a recurring theme in bedtime in this almost six-year-old and my existence in these past several years. And I thought that I would share it with you today. I am sitting here wanting memories to teach me to see the beauty in the world through my own eyes. Yes, I am sitting here wanting memories to teach me to see the beauty in the world through my own eyes. I think on the things that made me feel so wonderful when I was young. I think on the things that made me laugh, made me dance, made me sing. I think on the things that made me grow into a being full of pride. Think on these things, for they are true. I think on these things, for they are true. And maybe some nights, I'm singing to myself just as I'm singing to her. Maybe some nights, that song is for me as much as it is for her. And maybe some nights, nose to nose, we rest. Maybe some nights, together, we lay our burdens down. Our souls are being fed day in and day out, breath in and breath out. But we as people need anchors. We need things to sink into the sand and hold us firm. Mm -hmm. 
But whatever our diet is, whether we've had a week where we choose all of the green soul-filling foods, or whether we have had a week that we're all out of whack, we can trust that our soul's been anchored in the Lord. As the spiritual sings, our soul's been anchored in the Lord. Day in and day out, our anchor stays true. Over the next six weeks in Lent, we are going to be anchoring ourselves in one of the most beloved texts of Scripture, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Together over these next six weeks of Lent, we will anchor ourselves in this text. We will speak this text day in and day out, pray this text again and again so that it is deep in our bones because we need these sorts of prayers. We need to breathe them and pray them and sing them every night. So may you this week Trust that your soul is anchored in the Lord. May you see this week that just as manna fell from heaven to feed the people, that there indeed is joy and delight to be had. May you go out refreshed to read the news, to hear that your soul is anchored in the Lord and to step once more into the world that God is creating for us. May you rest in God's love and God's care. Amen. We hope you found this week's message helpful as you think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. Thank you, and God bless.